Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms, grandmas, moms-to-be, new moms, older moms, stepmoms, mom figures, influencers, aunties, friends, sisters, moms, who women that want to be moms but maybe aren't yet, and those who are single ladies, and anyone who has a mom. <laughs> Did I miss anybody? <laughs> One thing I have learned over the years is that sometimes on Mother's Day, you know, it can it can be a little bit emotional because there's a lot going on in our lives. Amen. And so I want to speak to everyone who who is a child of God and especially a woman of God today about how God values you. God bless you so greatly today. And I hope that this message touches your heart. But more than the message that God touches your heart today and encourages you. I want to celebrate and encourage and honor the moms, the grandmas, those that influence that next generation. And that provide a base for all of life. Amen. So every year, I believe. Now, now let me just say this. Men, bear with us today. <laughs> Father's Day is in about a month. (laughs) Not even that, I think. And that day, we will honor our men and our fathers. But today, we're going to honor the ladies. Amen? And our women work so hard. You know, we're so proud of our young people that came up and led worship today. We're so proud of all of our worship team. But you know what? There's a lot that went into that that needs to be honored to produce those things. Moms... Your impact in the world is immeasurable, absolutely immeasurable. You know, we look at the condition of the world. You know, we read the news, we see the news. There's all kinds of things going on where the enemy is storming. He's trying to impact that next generation. He's trying to flip-flop the world in his favor. What is the determining factors? Yes, there's politics Yes, there's all kinds of businesses, all kinds of things that need to happen. But what is God's weapon of mass destruction against the enemy? The family unit. Now, there's nothing more common in the world than a family. There's nothing more common in the world than a mother. It's the most common thing. (laughs) It's, It's so common, it doesn't even seem important. But God, from the very beginning of time had a plan of how he was going to structure and build a world for himself. Now, the enemy has tried to control, to influence, to take over, to claim the things in this world that God set in place for his children, for his people. That includes all the blessings. That includes all of the Uh, goodness in the world, all of the financial blessings, 
all of the beauty, all of the good things that God put into this world. He didn't create all that for the enemy and his crowd. He created that for his people and for his glory. So as we sometimes lose hold of those things, sometimes it can be by default because we don't realize the dominion that we have, the authority that we have, the anointing that we have to raise our families for the Lord and for his glory. You know, there are influences that are trying to take over this young generation. And if we don't understand it, listen, let me, let me tell you a saying of ours. When we're going through a challenge, when we're going through a battle, we don't deny that that's going on. When we got sick, when Lion got sick, when we've had financial issues or whatever it may be, struggles in life, we don't look at it and say, ah, that, that, that's nothing, it, it'll go away. We don't deny the existence of those things. We don't deny the existence of evil in the world, but we deny its right to rule and reign and have dominion in our lives. So with our families, you know, and I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go and glorify all the enemies doing. I'm not, I'm not, but I just want to mention that we have to be aware as parents, as moms, as grandmas, as fathers, we have to be aware of the forces of darkness that are trying to take over the minds of our children. If we don't, if we don't, we're going to lose by default. Because we have to be aware. We can't just ignore it or deny it. We have to be face on with what the, what the attacks of the enemy are and what the agendas of the world are so that we can rise above it. We don't ignore it. We face it head on and we back it down and deny its right to rule and reign in our families and our homes. Amen? Amen? And so there's an authority that comes with being a parent. God deposits that in you. When we prayed for these babies today and dedicated them, we were also dedicating the moms and the dads. We were anointing all of them. What is the anointing? I love to teach on what the anointing is. Because as humans, don't we feel small? Don't we feel overwhelmed by the world, don't we feel like it's just me against the world? Uh-uh, not with God. One and God are a majority. You're not a minority. So when we pray and we anoint these babies and we anoint the moms and the dads, the grandmas, the families, you know what the anointing is? It's God's declaration. If you anoint a king... You're not just smearing oil on his forehead, telling him he's got a new job to do. You are empowering him to do and to have the authority that he needs to do his job, to rule the kingdom. An anointing is not just for power. An anointing is to equip, to empower, yes, but from the inside out to give us that authority and that dominion to rule and to reign. So as we pray for these babies, we're not just praying, oh, fling a little blessing down on them. 
We are literally laying hands on them and releasing that anointing to rise up within them from the inside out to become more than they could ever become on their own, to accomplish more than they could ever accomplish in their own strength, to do and to be bold for the Lord, not to back down, but to have the spirit of the living God within their hearts, their minds, and their souls. You know, raising children is, it's not an easy thing by any means in any generation. The things we face today, the battles that we have to face, yes, they are a lot for our children. But there's always been the war of good and evil. And so since the very beginning of time, there's that struggle for the hearts and the souls of the young people because they will become the leaders of the world. So there's an anointing that God gives us for that position. Wouldn't it just be delinquent of God if he just let us be parents, popped babies out, and then didn't help us or equip us? You know, yes, there is a manual. Yes, there is a way. And yes, there is God's help to raise them up. You know, with our kids, it wasn't just do as we say, you know, or you did wrong, we're going to punish you. You know, that's, that's, there's so much more to training than that. There's so much more to raising your children. Your goal is to raise a moral fiber in them. Your goal is to raise the goodness of God within them, to train them in the ways of the Lord. You know, oftentimes when you hear uh, teachings on train your children up in the ways of the Lord, okay? But how do we do that? It's much more than discipline. That word in Hebrews that talks about training, it actually means training like to restrict the flow of something, to create boundaries so that something flows in a path, not just flows wherever it wants to. So as we're raising our children up, you know, we would always talk to our kids about, you know, not just scold them for wrong behavior, but we'd talk to them about why. You know, I can remember when I was a little girl, I was, I think, going into fifth grade, started at a new school. And it's funny, I just thought of this this morning out of nowhere, just a random thought, but um, went to school first day and there was, you know, I was the new kid, so I was kind of uncomfortable, nervous, but I, as I stood there, you know, hoping I could make a friend, um, I saw this little boy over in the corner and he was in my grade, but he was very, very small and I could tell, God bless him, but he had like eczema all over his body. So his skin was real red and on fire and blotchy. And he was a little bit, you know, smallish. And I saw the kids teasing him and tormenting him and calling him just horrible names. And the, and the little boy, he sat over there. I mean, I know his name. I can remember his name to this day because it broke my heart. And I thought, that is just so cruel. That is so awful. 
And I just stood there through recess, and I watched them be mean to him. And I saw tears in his face, and the more he cried, the more they laughed. So I watched it. I went home that night, and I told my mom what had happened. And I said, the kids are so mean to this little boy. My mom said, what did you do about it? Nothing. I just watched. Well, you need to stop that behavior. You need to rise up and be an example of how to be different. Tomorrow, I want you to go over and just be bold, walk over there, and just befriend this little boy. I was like, oh, wow. You know, that's, that's pretty bold. That's pretty scary. She's like, do you, want, do you care about him enough to help, help his life to be different? Maybe. <laughs> she said, you need to do the right thing. You need to be an influence of good. You'll change and turn that situation around. So the next day, I'm just so nervous. My mouth is dry. I'm just like, what, how am I going to do this? I don't even know anybody. Now I'm going to be mortified myself. Everybody's going to mock me. But I did it. I just walked right over there, and all those kids were, were mocking him and teasing him. And I just walked right over to him, and his hands were all, you know, red and scaly. And I just, I just grabbed his arm, and I said, let's go play volleyball. And he was shocked, and everybody just stopped And they were so shocked. And I just grabbed him. I said, let's go play volleyball. And so I took him over there. And we played volleyball. And I let him win. And, (laughs) you know, was that spiritual? No, I didn't know it was spiritual. But you know what? I changed the course of evil right then for this little boy. You know, I mean, I don't think I've ever told that story ever before. But it came to me last night. And I thought, how we... You know, we see the darkness in the world, we see the evil, we see all these things, and we sit back and we go, wow, wow, the world is a bad place right now. Oh, this is, well, let's just start where we can. Let's just turn things around. Let's go ask somebody to play volleyball. Let's just go befriend somebody that is hurt and lonely. You know, the very simplistic of what God desires for the blessing to be released in the world is tikkun olam. That is to repair a broken world. And that starts within your own home and your own family. Yes, we change the world here. We are affecting, my goodness, you and I together and with our stream family and people, we have, in the last couple months, we have rescued 40,000 Jewish Families, men and women, children out of the Ukraine and taken them out, resettled them into Israel. That's some big mitzvahs, (laughs) y'all. A mitzvah is a good deed, an act of kindness. Y'all are knocking it out of the park and we are so proud of you. However, every single day, we might not be able to do something on that scale, on that level, but there's a little boy that is in the playground feeling lonely, that we can have our kids reach out to and take care of and help. Every day there's somebody in this church that's brand new that looks maybe lonely and needs a little bit of direction and comfort. I was talking to some of Katie's friends, and they were talking about when they first came into the church. And, you know, they didn't really know anybody. Uh, Come in feeling that, you know, kind of disoriented, lonely. What are these people all about? And it just so happened that my daughter Anna was out in the in the uh, lobby there, went up to her, hey, how you doing? Loving on her. And says, what can I help you with? 
Well, I wanted to take my little girl to Kid City. She's never been in any kind of a place without me. And I says, come on. Walked her down there, got her involved, got her plugged in and taken care of. Well, before that young lady ever even came into the service, ever heard a worship song, ever heard the most magnificent preacher in the whole world, Pastor Larry Huck, speak, she didn't even know who we were. But before that ever happened, she already was tied into the church because of the love of somebody in the lobby. Those are things that they might not seem that spiritual. But in life, sometimes the most spiritual thing we can do is to be a friend to somebody. Well, guess what? That same principle applies in our families. Sometimes, moms, the most spiritual thing we can do is to befriend our children. To build a relationship with them. You know, I remember uh, when the boys were little, the grand sugars, you know, Asher and Judah, and they were little. And, you know, we were trying to build relationships with them. And, and uh, you know, what they wanted to, what, what Larry and I wanted to do with them didn't appeal to them. You know, Larry wanted to take them out and put them on a horse. You know, he wanted to take them out and, and uh, take them hunting, you know, at three. <laughs> You know, the things that sometimes are on our level that we want to do, they're not connecting with. So we made up our mind. We, we started buying movies, and we would sit, and we would watch, you know, funny little movies that were third-grade mentality or three-year-old mentality, and we'd just come down to that level with them. And those times together, although they weren't what in our mind at 30, 40, 50 years old, that we would choose to do on our own, you know, on a... Saturday afternoon, Larry and I aren't going to sit down and watch Monsters, Inc. (laughs) Too often. (laughs) You know? But we would do that to connect with the kids. And those relationships formed out of just the simplest, simplest things. And so as we reach out to them and our kids at any level that they're at, I'll tell you, it builds bridges. It builds bridges and builds love and memories that will be there forever. You know, I saw this piece of paper that, is Aviva still in here? Several years ago, I was doing a mom's Mother's Day service, and I asked Aviva, our granddaughter, I think she was five or six at the time, I said, Beeps, just tell me, what are some of the things that your mom or our family or your aunties or your uncles, your dad, Saba and me, tell me just a few of the things that have made really big impact in you and that you will always remember forever? And she wrote some things down, and, you know, one of them was, one of them was building a, a, what did you call it? With, what did you guys build? The robot. Rober. <laughs> With cardboard boxes, you know, Luke and Jen took them, took them to their house and just created this craft with them just out of, out of Luke's head. They just, he went out and he bought some, uh, what is it? Boxes and the, you know, the metal. All kinds of metal, you know, the vents, air conditioning vents, things like that, and just all these different things. And they spent the entire day with the sugars building a robot. And they laughed so hard. They had so much fun. And, you know, they didn't have the money to take them to Disneyland. 
You know, sometimes people think, well, I don't have the money to take my family to Disneyland, or I can't, I can't do fun things. I don't, I don't have the money. I don't have the time. You know, here, just a whole day of just simple, fun, little projects, laughing, making popcorn, you know, eating cookies, junk food galore. No, not at their house. That's only at our house. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes it's the little bridges that we build that last forever, that last forever. And so it's not an overwhelming task. The reason I'm telling you these things is because I know when we look at the shape of the world for our children, it's like, gosh, where do I even start? How do I start? Sometimes there's a gap that has built between, you know, the generations. In our, in our day, we call it the generation gap. I don't know, you know, what they call it today, but, you know, there can be a big gap between parents and their children's thinking. So how do we even build that bridge? You know, find out what interests them. Find out what, what motivates them and come into their world and try and be a part of them. I know it isn't easy, but that's one way to build a relationship. So then there's the training part. So the constricting. Here's how we do that. Don't wait until issues come up to talk to your kids about morals, to talk to them about integrity. Build it into their character from day one in, in positive ways, but in tangible ways. You know, I think sometimes we make the mistake, we just preach at our kids and we teach them the, the Bible in ways that seems condescending or dry or I don't, I don't get what that has to do with real life. You know, we have to make the word of God alive to our children. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We got to change them from the inside out. My goal with my kids was to instill a moral compass within them. I, you know, I know a lot of, a lot of times there's the old saying, you know, as parents, just you do what I say. Don't do as I do. Do as I say. And they're not, they're not living it, but they're telling kids to do, you know, like a parent, uh, you know, don't cuss, blankety, blank, blank, blank. <laughs> you know, or don't smoke, you know. Don't do evil things, you know, as they're out. You know, so there really is a responsibility as a parent to also dedicate your life to the Lord and to live that example. Let me tell you this. This is really important. We teach what we know, but we reproduce what we are. So as we, you know, there's, there's another old saying in, in, in Christianity. It says, everywhere you go, preach the gospel. And if you have to, use words. Well, that's, that's really appropriate in our homes. You know, as as opposed to just preaching at our kids and throwing scriptures at them, which, yes, that's important, but as we live it out and they see the blessing of that, it will put that desire and that moral compass within them. Look, parenting is, parenting is not easy. It's, it's not easy. It's not for wimps. But it's the greatest, what is the, how does the army say it? It's the hardest job you'll ever love. But... Here's the thing. We're not alone. As much as that love on this line as we dedicated those babies today, 
as strong as those parents love that newborn baby, as desperate as they am for the blessing of God, as they are for the blessing of God, our God is even more committed to that little life. When you think about it, here's these little, these little babies and their family has conceived them, planned for them, prepared for them, built their whole life around the coming of this baby or even in adoption, you know, where you tangibly make a decision to add this person into your life. How much goes into that? And yet, our God is the one who breathed the life into that baby. From the conception, God touched that child with a destiny, with a personality, with a plan for its life. You know, each little baby, each person is specifically formed by God for a purpose. I remember this blew my mind. When Asher and Judah were born, they're identical twins. Identical. The only way we could even tell them apart was one had a little brown dot right there. Thank God, because we could have easily mixed them up over times. But one thing we found out, like almost from the beginning, this is so bizarre, but as identical two children that came from one, two that came from one, but they each have completely different fingerprints and footprints. And that just struck me from the beginning that no matter how much they look alike, sound alike, act alike, they were identical in the, even the way they moved. When they would sleep, they would sleep the same. They were like bookends. They'd be like this, or they'd be like this, or they'd both be like this, or they'd both be like this. <laughs> I mean, identical. But they each have different fingerprints, which shows me God's, God's super to the natural. Each baby, each children, each one of you, from the time that you were even conceived, even before your mother's womb, God had a plan, a purpose, a destiny, a path, and an impact for him. When our children are born, they're a blank CD. They're a blank book. These little babies, they're so completely pure, so completely unscathed by the world, so completely raw. There's no agenda with them. There's no written manual. There's no um, job description for them. There's nothing in their mind. When we were praying for them, they're not thinking, I wish I could get out there and play in Kid City. Would you end this so I can go eat some cookies? Would you please? I'd like to go home and get on the swing side. Come on. No, nothing on their own. They're a completely, completely untouched book. And as parents, we choose what's going to be written in that book. Whew, man, that has some weight to it, doesn't it? That has some weight. You know, my... my Family is musical, Luke and Brandon. They have their recording studios. I mean, I go in there and it's like, 
you know, I mean, if I listen to a song, it's like, I like that song. I can sing along. I like, no, they're like, okay, move this, a little bit more volume here, this and this. And they create these masterpieces, music and worship and songs that aren't just like, eh, here's, a, here's a song humming along. <laughs> oh, that's a good song. That's it. I mean, they work on it. They, ma- you know, everything they leave in. Everything they take out is an incredible choice and thought process to create a masterpiece. So as a blank CD, they come up with these things that are just, how did you even think of that? Well, that same concept into our children. You got a blank CD. What are you going to let be recorded on the CD of your child's life? You're going to make those choices of what you're going to put in there, what you're going to deposit, what you're going to build on. And you're going to make those choices, what you don't allow to be on that CD. So we can't completely control the spirit of the world, right? But we can control the spirit of our family. Amen. Does that give you some hope? Boy, I'll tell you, one of the things that I tell people all the time is you're not alone. You're not alone. And one of my favorite, favorite scriptures that I teach so often for, I don't know, over 20 years, I think, is Psalms 115.12. Y'all write this down. This is a lifer. There are some scriptures that are scriptures for my life that I lean on, that I build on, that I teach because what they mean to me, I want to share. Psalms 115.12. The Lord is mindful of you. Ladies, moms, grandmas, aunties, men, families. Businessmen, whatever, whatever position you're in in life, you are not on your own trying to make this happen. The Lord is mindful of you. You are on his mind right now. He knows what you had for breakfast. He knows what conversation you had with your kids trying to get them out the door this morning. He knows the chaos that has come even just this weekend into your life. And he knows the good things that are happening as well. But you're not just going through it on your own. He is mindful of you. Now check this out. This really hit me last night as I was working on this. And he will bless you, both great and small. And he will increase you more and more and your children. You know, I've never read that and emphasized that about the children. I've looked at that and I've read it and I've thought of it more as the lineage and the far-reaching effects of the blessing of God that he brings into your life, that it will continue. But man, today, when I read that last night, I was like, that's a word. That's a word for you right now. That's a word for me in the hope for my family, my grandkids, my great-great-grandkids. 
Because I'm telling you, sometimes, parents, it can look like there is a tsunami coming at us. When it comes to raising godly, moral, honest, sound, God-loving children, sometimes it feels that way. And guess what? In the natural, it is. There's a fight for the souls of our children, for our families. There's a fight to wipe God's people and their voice and influence off the face of the earth. But guess what? But God. But God. But God. But God. But God. Before we ever even knew in these last few months, the policies that were going to come out of our government on raising your children with their values, their influences, their liberal agendas, before that ever even hit the news in the last few months, God already had a plan and a supercharged power to rise up against it. When the enemy comes in like a flood, like a flood, like he's doing right now, our God raises up a standard against him. A standard. You know what that standard means? I looked that up a few weeks ago. It, uh, to raise up a standard. Have you ever wondered about that? What does that mean, to raise up a standard against it? What does that mean? A standard is something of equal or greater force. So when the enemy comes in like a flood... God will raise up that standard against it. A stronger, more powerful force that will back it down and destroy it. So how does that happen when it comes to our children? How does that happen when it comes to the, lo- the, the world that we're living in? Oh, here's your hope. Here's your hope. Here's your hope. God has you on his mind. He already knows He created that child of yours, that grandchild of yours, with its own special little fingerprint. That identity, that God identity that's in that child. Your job is to release that within them. Your job is to do the very best that you can to impart God's spirit and values into that baby, into those children, into those grandchildren. Not once, but every day. Every morning, every noon, every night, all day, every day, all day, every day, all day, every day, all day, every day, forever and ever and ever. Our job is to do that. And guess what? God will put his super to our natural. We do our absolute best and God will do the rest. There's times I've prayed for things as my kids were growing up. You know, yeah, we're a very strong family. We're a very strong uh Christian-based family. But my kids had to face the same things in the world that kids today do in certain different ways, but they had to face things. Our job as parents was to pray for them every day, but also to teach them to pray, to teach them how to touch God. We never allowed our kids just to be spectators. Even if they weren't really into it at certain points of their lives, we made them be involved. Because they want, that's part of it. You can't just expect a kid to sit in church or sit, you know, and, 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 and care. 
They got a million things on their mind. They've got toys, they got games, they got electronics, they got things. You've got to get them involved. You've got to get them involved in what God's doing. You've got, there's an old saying that says, God has no grandchildren. God only has children. God only has children. We owe it to our children. The greatest gift you could ever give them is to give them the gift of knowing God. Believe me, it's not just to get them to behave. This is for their life. This is for their life. I look at my kids. I look at my kids. You know, I I said this in ladies' night the other night, ladies' night out, but I'm going to say it again here because, you know, when we went through uh, the last several years, you know, we had to face, we faced some issues that were pretty, pretty heavy and pretty serious, pretty daunting. And when Luke and Jen, you know, got the news that Lion had leukemia, their brand new baby they'd waited and planned for all these years, seven months, the joy of their life, cutest little, he was born on Simcatora, which is supposed to be the greatest joy, the greatest day of joy in the entire year because it's the day that celebrates when God gave his word. Where would we be without God's word? And we always rejoiced and we just could not stop saying that he's got that joy in his life from day one. That supernatural joy. He just beamed and smiled. Then all of a sudden at seven months, our baby has leukemia. I mean, that was a tsunami. That was a tsunami. And my biggest fear, not fear, but my biggest concern or heartfelt agony in that was that my kids and my family, but my kids had to face that and deal with that. That's not something you plan for, for your children to have to. You can't wait till they have a baby. You can't wait till these things happen. You can't wait to see their faces when they have their own baby. And then all of a sudden, for them to have to go through that, it was difficult. But I saw something in my children. And my first, even in my thoughts, you know, your, your, the things you think about as a parent for your children you know, gosh, is this going to knock them out of the game? Is this going to knock their faith out? Is this going to, you know, is this going to overwhelm them with grief? Is this going to just ruin their entire lives? And there was a point where it was so heavy what we were all dealing with during that time. I honestly thought our family will never be the same again. We'll never laugh the same way that we have. We'll never have that time of of unlimited joy with each other again because of what's happening here. And I watched our kids. We watched our kids rise up to the challenge in faith and in strength. I can't even tell you how proud I've been of our kids. And I'm not bragging on our family today by any means. I'm not drawing attention to us. I'm drawing attention to God. And I'm bragging on God. And I'm trying to give you hope that when you deposit those things in your kids, 
The word of God will not come back void. It will accomplish what it was sent to do. Isaiah 55, 11, my favorite scripture. God's word will not come back void. It will accomplish what he sent it to do. He is watching over his word to perform it. Those children, those children, your children, your grandkids, just like what my family went through these last few years, they are not just our children. They're not just our grandkids. They are lent to us by the Lord. And as we have done everything we could in the natural to deposit the word of God in them, to allow them to have personal relationships with the Lord. As our kids were growing up, I can remember them at the altar. From the tiniest little age, I can remember them getting baptized, each one of them, and weeping in tears as God touched them. I remember when Anna was, I think, five years old when we moved to Australia and we had a baptismal of our brand new converts at the beach. And Anna got up and we'd have them give their testimony. And Anna's, you know, she's this big and she's in the water and dad and and some guys have her. And she's like, I used to be a sinner. (laughs) She's five. I was a sinner. I lied. I stole gum out of mama's purse. <laughs> Just the biggies and, you know, the big sins. And yet tears are running down her face because she is genuinely repenting. She's genuinely being born again. She's genuinely being changed from the inside out. She's genuinely receiving the Holy Spirit and being baptized from the old life into the new life at five years old. Now, when she came up, she was still crying because God touched her. And the things that she said after that were astounding. Mama, I'm, I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn to pray. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to tell my friends at school about Jesus. You know, each one of our kids, the same, same similar stories, And then into their teen years, the touches of God. I can remember each of you guys at the altar. And over the years, you know, in your teenage years, your junior high years, and just having that touch from God, giving God a chance. You know, I know a lot of parents feel, my kids don't want to go to church. I can't make them. Parents, train them up. Train them up. I'm going to tell you something right now. If they're living in your house... You have the right to train them, restrict the flow, create the boundaries. You don't, you teach them respect. Kids aren't born with it. Let me tell you, even though my kids, I watched them have multiple experiences with the Lord. I saw God change their heart, but we still had to walk out life every day. There were still, you know, things that we had to, had to process and deal with. You know, my kids are just like your kids, our grandkids, you know, all there's, there's disrespect in the world. We had to train our kids how to be respectful, how to, uh, respect and honor their parents, but everyone, you know, if they were grumpy to somebody or something, it'd be like, Hey, let's have a do over there. You know, I mean, they didn't necessarily have to make a big old deal out of everything, but it has to be arrested. You're training. You're restricting the flow. 
You're making that formed in certain ways. Why are my kids respectful of adults? My kids still call every pastor on staff pastor so-and-so. Because they have a respect and a reverence. They don't uh, 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 just take, take things you know, regardless. They, they were taught respect, integrity, honesty. And those things over the years. So I'm just giving you hope that, yeah, kids are kids. All kids are kids. We were kids, you know. Hey, we're adults. We're still learning and training, right? Sometimes as adults, we need to be, hey, come on, let's have a do-over. You know, have you ever had the Lord say something like that to you in your heart? You, you know, you're just kind of rude to somebody or whatever, you know, and God's like, get back there, do a do-over. You know, I actually went up to somebody some months ago in the grocery store because I had, you know, kind of been disrespectful. I wasn't feeling good. (laughs) I had a reason to be cranky. (laughs) But I was short with this, you know, this young kid who was working there. And so I'm pushing my aisle, you know, my car. I'm like ticked off. I'm just like in a bad mood. I was like, God said, hey, do over. Come on, get back there, do over. You're a bad representation. So I went back there. I said, hey, no big deal, but I'm sorry I was cranky with you. <laughs> I, I just wasn't feeling great today. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's like, you weren't cranky. You're just like everybody else. I'm like, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> but for me, that wasn't acceptable. So I'm sorry. God bless you. Have a great day, hun. You know, and just no big deal. But those little attitude adjustments. Well, if we can make them with ourselves, we can make them with our kids, right? But the key, the key, the key, and this is what I'm going to end with. This is where our great, great, great hope comes from. And you know what? If we have made mistakes over the years, join the club. Join the club. If you're a good parent, I'll just share a confession. There's not one single night in my entire life (laughs) that I haven't felt guilty At the end of the day, my kids are going to come over today and tonight my mind is going to go, you didn't spend enough time with Lion. You didn't spend enough time with Luke. You barely even talked to Jen. You know, I mean, when my kids are there, I'm like running and trying to touch base with everybody and, you know, keep everything going. And then at the end of the day, I'll be like, oh man, I I wasn't mindful enough with, and sometimes I'll say something to them and they're like, mom, get over yourself, would you? You're driving us nuts. But listen, as parents, we, (laughs) you're laughing a little too much. (laughs) Do over. (laughs) But you know, there are times as a good parent, you go to bed, you're like, oh, was I too hard on my kids? Was I too easy on them? Should I have dealt with that? Did I deal with that too much? Did I blah, 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 blah. Listen, that's life. We do our best, we press in, we do our best, 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 and then trust God to do the rest. There's not a night that I don't feel guilty about not doing enough, but there's not a night that I don't literally give it to God. He says, be anxious about nothing, but pray about everything. And you know what? That doesn't have to be a two-hour prayer. I mean, I pray hard for my kids. I always have. I'm a prayer warrior. So is Larry. But there's sometimes it's just like, God, you know what's going on in their lives. You know, you know what, 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 what I messed up today. I give that to you and just count it grace, grace, grace. And that's his beauty. So here's our job, parents. 
It's a high calling of parenting. It's not a duty. It's not a to-do list. It's not a errand list. You know, this week Anna and Brandon are out of town. Katie's the mom <laughs> of the sugars. She's been non-stop in her car, taking him to school, taking him home, taking him to this, taking him to that, this and that, feed the dogs, water the plants, clean the house, do the dishes. You know, she's over there. She's like, I got my own life here. I didn't sign on for this one. But you know, it's, it's a, no, a lot of duties, parents. Beebs had extra homework. Katie had to help her with Latin. <laughs> you know, it's, it's challenging at times. But you know, there's a high calling of parents. There's a high, high calling of God. High, high calling. This is mothering. This is kingdom work. This is not a role. This is not a job. This is not a title. It's a calling. It's not a diversion from our own identity or purpose. It's not an interruption to our lives. Although it is. But it's not really. <laughs> Come on, I need to laugh. You see, it is an interruption to our lives to have to take a this and there and change every diaper and, you know, do everything. It is an interruption. It feels that way. Right? But there's a joy in it, and there's a long-term purpose that God has in this. So it's not just a diversion, but it's a God-ordained mission field and assignment. How many of you have prayed, God, use my life? Help me, God, to touch the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. But don't shortchange changing the world through that one little toddler that you've changed his diaper five times by 8 a.m. in the morning. Don't shortchange the long-term or the powerful impact of raising your kids. God has ordained a mission field and an assignment and a training ground for each of us through the act of parenting. It is the Lord's work. It is accomplished by his Holy Spirit working with us through us, working in our children. And believe me, it is never, 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 never in vain or minute or unimportant. It is so important. First Corinthians, I love this, 1558. Always give yourself fully to the Lord and his work, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen? Tell yourself that every morning and every night. Also, Deuteronomy 33, 25. As your day is, so shall your strength be. You know, you never know what, what, what the day is going to bring you. Sometimes it's just full of surprises, isn't it? <laughs> but God said, what's before you today, I've already seen it. And I will equip you for everything that you face and your children. I pray that over my kids as their day is. I pray it over my grandkids as their day is. So shall their strength, their internal compass, their moral compass, so shall that be today. Amen. But Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9 is what we pray over our children. And this is God's guiding light. What is God's weapon of mass destruction for the enemies in the world? Our families. How does that work? Right now in the world of all, can you imagine 
just think about how much energy in the world right now is going into political laws being made, political changes, businesses being built, all the things that make the world go round, schools, colleges, universities, everything in the world that is big, 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 big. And yet God said, here's how to build a good world. Here's how to build a good world. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. In Hebrew, it's called Deyukna Shel Aviv. And what it means is the voice of the fathers and the mothers. So it goes back to the voice and the word of God. The voices of the forefathers of our faith. The voices of Moses. The voices of the New, New Testament, the voices of the Old Testament, the voices of the Word, the voices of the men and women of God, the voices of you as parents, the voices of right and wrong in their lives, the voices that are in their heads. What voices are in your children's heads? What do they listen to day in and day night? I mean, what do they listen to? What do they watch continually? What are the voices that are in their head? What are the voices that are in their hearts? What are the voices that are influencing them of right and wrong? I said, I've said this so many times and just very quickly, but the impact that we have as parents in an hourly impact, in actuality, during the course of a week is pretty minimal, right? Our kids are in school, they're in sports, they're in all these different things. The hours they spend with others far outweighs the hours that we spend with them, let alone quality time with them. How do we compete against that? They're in school eight hours a day, the main force of the day. They come home, they're doing schoolwork, they're doing this. They're, they're voices in their head. I'm not against those things. We're not against those things. But somehow, y'all, we got to be able to counter that, right? How do we do that? Supernaturally, we impart the voices of the fathers, the mothers. We teach God's word. Deuteronomy 6, from the very beginning, God said, this is how you build the world. Teach, train, live it, embed it in their hearts. The voices, the images, the example. Create that inner moral compass. Teach them the ways of God. It says, teach them in the morning. Teach them when you're walking. Teach them at dinner. Teach them before you put them to bed. Teach them first thing in the morning. Repeat that again and again and again. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Does that get redundant? May seem like it, but it never does. You impart the Lord into their soul and their heart, and it becomes their moral compass. Even if they don't seem like they're paying attention, they are. Even when they seem like they're not interested, they're getting it. Even when you when you create that I when you create that atmosphere, they are going to have it embedded in their hearts. And we do our best. And our God does the rest. You know, one last thing. I love this. Barbara Bush, when, when George Bush Sr. was in office as president, and Barbara Bush made a statement. They did this article, and I remember, I remember this so vividly. It was back when you still read and got newspapers, remember? And magazines. Everything wasn't digital. And I, I had gotten this magazine, and on... Sunday afternoon after church, before we got ready to go to Sunday night church, y'all have it easy, believe me. 
I was reading this magazine, and it was an article that they had done on the, on the White House family, on the first family. It's the cutest thing I ever, I ever saw. Regardless of their politics, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about what she said in this. And the picture, the, the, the interview was going to take place at their house, and it was taking place. I mean, this is the first, first family. This is the president of the United States. President of the, of, of, the, of the free world, the most important man in the world, and his wife. And what did they choose to do an article about? And the picture they used was Sunday morning at their house, in their jammies, in their bedroom, in their bed, eating pancakes, and all these grandkids piled everywhere on the bed, puppies, dogs, everything going on. And the interesting thing about this picture, here's the, here's the first family. I mean, they didn't, even, they didn't even get fixed up, basically. They're in their robes. They're in their jammies. Who's going to have that as your, as your picture, your, you know, on the front of a magazine? And so here they are. And next to George Bush on the nightstand was the two red phones, the emergency phones that the president is, always has with him. So if nuclear war broke out, the red phone right there. Hello. Everything important going on in the world, and there was a lot at that time. He's right there. He's on it. But he didn't neglect his duties as a family man. And she didn't either. And here they are, all these kids. They're jumping around. They're on the beds. They're playing with the puppies. Pancakes everywhere. Syrup on the bedspread. I mean, it was just total chaos. And she said about this, she said, People ask me all the time, What can I do to make America a better place? What can I do to build a better America and make it a place for our kids to come in the years to come? She said, I tell people the greatest thing that you can do. She said, the greatest thing that I can do to build a great America is the same thing you can do. If Americans will build great families and children, strong people, we will have a great, strong nation. How simple is that, guys? How simple is that? How simple is that? I worry sometimes at night about nuclear war. I worry about things going on in Russia. I worry about things that go on in Israel. We, we're in the know of things. We carry heavy burdens on all that and we try and stay in touch so we can change the world. But when it boils down to every single day, y'all, build a great family. We will have a great world if we build strong people. I look at my kids. I see them as the leaders now. They're not kids anymore. They're not in Sunday school anymore. They are the leaders of the next generation. And that's how we need to view our children growing up. I'm training the leaders of the world. I'm training the leaders of the world. I'm changing the woman of God that's going to change the world. I'm raising up a little man of God here that's going to change the world and build another great family and another great world. Amen. Stand with me. Stand with me. I want to have a final prayer with you. Thanks for bearing with us. We're not really over time, though. We had a baby dedication. I love y'all so much. Listen, has the, have we been able to encourage each other today a little bit? Your life is not in vain. Let me know my message wasn't in vain. <laughs> You need encouragement. I need some encouragement as well. Amen. 
God, lift your hands right now. Let me have a prayer over your life. Thank you, sweetie. Father, right now, God, we come to you just to honor you, Lord. Father, we're not coming asking anything of you. We're just honoring you for who you are. My God, thank you that we can have you in our lives. Father, thank you that we're not facing the world alone, but that we are on your mind right now. Our children, our babies, our sugars, our grandkids are on your mind right now. I want you to literally close your eyes and give those babies, those children, maybe they're adults right now. I want you to lift them to God. Tell them, Lord, they are yours. They are yours. And not only is God on our mind, God has them on his mind. They may think they're out there in sin. They may think they're out there doing this and that, but God has got a leash on their soul. God has got an ownership on their hearts. God has got their destiny and their lives, their fingerprints, their their ordained mission from God has been mapped out from before their mother's womb. And God will not allow his word to go void in their lives. So Father, we break every curse. We break every generational curse. We break every attack from the enemy, from the world. We break the power of the immorality and the sin in the world, the corruption. We break it over our families, our lives, our children, our grandchildren. We sever that attachment in Jesus' name. And Father, we release your stored up blessings, your stored up destiny, your stored up plans and purposes for our families, our children, our grandchildren. Father, we give them to you. Raise up that next generation, God, and the generations to come to impact the world for you, to establish your dominion within themselves and within the lives of those that are influenced by them and the world beyond. Father, we bless you today. Bless our mothers. Bless our fathers. Bless our families, God. Bless the grandmothers and those that invest their time in their families. Father, bless them greatly. And as they honor you and honor your loves, God, honor and love and give them peace, joy, blessing, handfuls on purpose in every way. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ and all God's children, shout it. Amen, 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 amen. God bless you so much. If you need to go, God bless you. Have a beautiful, beautiful Mother's Day. Families, give mom a break. Give mom a break. Give her some love. Tell her how much you appreciate her, love her. Shower her with hugs. Shower her with goodies. Take out the trash for her. Do the dishes. Buy her a good present and a lunch. God bless you.